0: Welcome to Fundraising Events. This is our first episode. And so during each episode, we're gonna chat with an influencer in the event industry who's been instrumental in helping nonprofits raise more funds. Our goal is to help share helpful tips, tricks, and stories that will empower you to raise more with your future events. And now a little bit about our sponsor. Fundraising Events is sponsored by Give Sign Up Run Sign Up, your fundraising event technology experts. Next time you have a fundraising event, try Give Sign Up Run Sign Up, whether it's a run, walk, ride, golf tournament, gala, or fundraising campaign, Raise more, save time easily with GiveSignup Up's purpose-built supporter engagement platform. Get started to re- for free today at GiveSignup.org. And I'm Brian Jenkins, and now I want to welcome Tony Sapp. Welcome to fundraising events, Tony.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: So um, I'm very appreciative of your um, your awesome mic. I can hear you <laughs> incredibly well. Um, so to start off, I know you very well, um, and uh, I I think everyone would like to learn a little bit about you and maybe a little background on you and Um, You know how you got into events?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So I am the owner and operator of Negative Split Productions based out of Houston, Texas. Um, I basically got my start just helping out with some local races as a volunteer coordinator or just general race crew. Um, And then in 2014, decided to let's try my hand at race directing, um, developed a series of running events, uh, learned more about the business, and got uh, Basically built built that business up to a point where I was ready to try something new, but still in the event space. So we sold our running events after reaching uh, about twenty five thousand participants a year, um, and now I'm doing event services, uh, race timing, race awards, uh, event consulting, and I still own and operate the what is now the world's largest active kids triathlon in the world. So that's how I spend the spend most of my days.
0: Yeah. Well, your kids' event is definitely something interesting. Um, it's probably something to investigate since we're focusing on virtual races. But um, not the uh, the toughest idea to come up with is like, hey, a triathlon should be at a water park. That sounds like a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a fun race. That one's definitely um, uh, I, I'd consider that since about twenty sixteen when that event started my marquee event, kind of the. the the standard at which I I put everything into that race and that race is is my baby. So that one, that one's not going away anytime soon. It was obviously a tough year in 2020 with it being in May, there was no event, but uh, we made it work and we had about 400 kids participate in a virtual triathlon and it went well, you know, everybody seemed to have a good time. And we're, we're coming back in 2021, bigger and stronger. Um, We have a two day event. Uh, We moved, I moved it to the late uh, summer, early fall and mid-September um, to kind of avoid all of this kind of you know gray area that we're in right now. Um, so yeah, we're, gonna, we're looking forward to another big race for that one this year.
0: That's great. So the reason that I wanted to get you on as our first guest is that uh, virtual races were very popular in 2020. Many people are thinking about still doing virtual races in 2021, or, or as we talked about at many different points, uh, hybrid races. Um, the unique thing about you is that you actually did virtual races before people did virtual races. So that's why I wanted to talk to you. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So basically what this came, came from, it's, it's funny because it it was the kids triathlon that drove all of this, even though that race hasn't had a virtual component until this year. Um, back in 2016, we had registration open for our third race for 20, I'm sorry, but it was 2015. We had registration open for our third race in 2016. Um, and then we finally, uh, We were working on developing this kids triathlon, at a new water park opening, and we finally got approval, but it fell on the same day as a race. We already had registration open. Um, They had about 100 to 125 people registered at that point. So I was kind of thinking of ways I could engage those people to, because we were going to move the date because I didn't want to pass on the chance to have the kids triathlon. Um, So I was trying to think of ways I wouldn't lose those people because those people were regular customers that were going to be completing the entire series. Um, and I, I wanted to give them an opportunity to participate in the race, even if they couldn't be at the new date that we were going to be scheduling. So I was like, eh, let's give this virtual race a try. Um, so we added a virtual component. I emailed everybody. Uh, most were fine with the new dates. We had a few that could not make the new date, but we now had this new virtual component. Um, so we said, you know, the registration was open for that. And I noticed um, by around December timeframe, we started getting people registering for the virtual race um, because they wanted to complete the whole series, but they couldn't be at that specific race or, you know, for whatever reason. Um, so we, you know, uh, my business partner and I sat down and we talked and was like, well, let's, you know, let's give this a shot and let's add it to all the races and see what happens. Um, within a year of having a virtual option, over 20% of our 20,000 registrations uh, came from virtual. So it really, yeah, it really, really did a big uh, uh, added a, a big chunk of registrations of people that we may not have gotten otherwise. Uh, so I kind of saw the power of what a virtual race can be in conjunction with a live event. And it, I was able to take that knowledge and the things I learned over the years of producing those uh, events with the virtual events, and turn that into basically a, a category of services that became a uh, you know, that really blew up during the um, time of no events, you know, once COVID really took off in late Mar- in uh, early March last year.
0: So you think originally a lot of these people, because you offered a really nice series package, so you earned something for doing the whole series, that was what was driving the original virtual registrations?
1: Yes. Yeah. I think that the, it was people that, you know, our first race in the series was always on New Year's Day. Um, and that was kind of, that was just our thing. We had a race on New Year's Day. We had a race at, uh, at Minute Maid Park, the home of the Houston Astros. You know, we had we had some very unique venues um, and some, some big time uh, uh, places where we were putting on these races. But what if you couldn't, what if you're out of town on New Year's Day? You know, do you just miss out on the entire series because of that? No, you can still register and do it virtually and continue on with the rest of the series. So it was definitely a business decision at that point uh, in offering it to, to you know, getting keeping the people in the flow and registering and keeping people eligible for the series, um, even as races passed. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it was all, it all stemmed from that component of the series element, you know, getting the the, the medal display or earning um, I, we did special edition p- pajama pants one year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just various prizes for completing all five events in the series.
0: So what type of feedback were you getting from these early virtual participants?
1: Well, at that time, it was very little um, because it was kind of, I mean, virtual races existed. I didn't, you know, there were other companies that were putting on virtual-only events. Um, But it was was more, it was more, wow, I'm glad I can still participate in this event. You know, I'm still, you know, I can still be able to do it. I can still earn the shirt and the medal. Um, I can still be on the way to collecting my series, uh, series prizes. And so, you know. Um, it was, it was, it was a little rough at first because there were, there were no great tools like, you know, the run sign up virtual and challenge platform available. Um, you guys didn't even have the option for people to submit their own results at that point. Uh, so we were, you know, we just set up spreadsheets and Google sheets and had, the, you know, and, you know, we tracked, uh, track the information. We'd have people submit pictures, um, of them completing the race and they post them online on the, on the event page or on Facebook. Um, so overall, I'd say the, the, uh, The reception was good. Uh, You know, if you didn't want to do the race virtually, you know, if you didn't believe that virtual races should be a thing, just don't register for it, you know, Um, you know, if you were really, really keen on trying to earn the series, finisher stuff and couldn't really had something going on on a specific day or something came up at the last minute, there was an option available there that you can still do it. Um, you know, so it was it was really uh, because it wasn't a forced thing where it was only virtual or only live. I think I think the people who were just appreciative of the opportunity to be able to uh, um, have an option. Um, you know, and it actually served as a, as a interesting mechanism to a transition we had in. I think it was yeah December of 2017. We had a big storm come through Houston. And this was a few months after Harvey's here, but it's really nervous. Um, you know, about the flooding and everything. Uh, but, so what we did is we just basically said, hey, if you want to transfer, if you're nervous about the flooding and don't want to come to the race tomorrow morning, uh, transfer to virtual, you know, this is an option available to you. We already had that built into the yeah. race. So there wasn't a big, like trying to figure things out. It was already there. Um, that we had 1700 people register for the live race, 800, 800 of them transferred to the virtual race. Uh, you know, the next day we had 900 people at a absolutely gorgeous day. You know, at the race site, uh, so it was all you know, no, no major issues. Uh, but those 800 people that weren't quite sure they were going to want to do it, they had it. They had they had, they had a uh, a thing there that they could do, and still, you know, that was the last race in the series. So you know, a lot of them were trying to finish trying to. That was the race to earn their prize. Um, so yeah, it was good. It was good that we
0: had that built in. Yeah. So. Um- so let's move on to now the pandemic has happened. Um, and, you know, you're in the event industry and everybody stops. Um, you now are, have a unique advantage because you actually understand how virtual races work and what they are and how to communicate and all these other things. So let's talk about how you started helping um, nonprofits who had, didn't understand this and, uh, you know, where your, your service came into that.
1: Right. So basically what I did is I took all of that knowledge and experience and things I'd learned over those few years of putting on those uh, race, those virtual events, and packaged them all together. And then I leveraged uh, additional, additionally, I leveraged the relationships I developed with vendors from all over the countries um, to be able to provide medals, shirts, you know, things that I could get at at a, at a lower cost because of the volume I was doing with the races that I had um, and these long established relationships. So I kind of What the what the original intention was? It was just to be a you know because there were no events going on, no races to time, no races that needed awards. um, That this was the expansion of the consulting side, uh, helping people learn what a virtual race is, learn the technology that's available within uh, the virtual race space when it comes to user submitted results or challenges and things like that, and then helping them on the execution side. You know, helping them. how do you communicate with participants? How often should you be emailing people? Uh, what kind of reminders should you be sending? When do you need to order shirts? When do you need to order medals? Uh, how do you ship out a thousand race packages? Can you just walk into the post office with a thousand packets and say, "Here you go"? Not really. You know, there's there's kind of there's there's processes in place to do that stuff. Uh, so it was more uh, originally it was more meant to be on a consulting side, but what it became is basically me assistant race directing in in a consulting role, helping all of these different nonprofits who had lost all of their fundraising capability, basically. I mean, people were scared. They weren't spending any money. Um, They weren't donating things. They still wanted to do stuff because they were at home, they were trying to stay busy, but donations stopped, you know, things, the the thing being able to put on galas and auctions and things like that, there just wasn't an opportunity. So this gave another outlet, another, another way for nonprofits to engage their, uh, their followers, their previous donate, people that were donating, um, or to get people to fundraise for them, which I think is really the most powerful tool because now you're leveraging the, the network of thousands of people versus you know, just individually trying to contact people.
0: Yeah. And just to make it clear, um, Tony had a form on his website um, that people could fill out um, talk a little bit about their nonprofit and, and what they were trying to accomplish. And then Tony would set up a call with them and then walk them through everything. Um, and then, as he said, using all the expertise and contacts that he had so that they could effortlessly pull off that, that virtual race.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I dubbed it the turnkey virtual race services, yeah. you know, because basically I could, I could help you help, help, I could help races from start to finish, you know, setting up registration all the way through the actual fulfillment or individual pieces. You know, I wasn't you know, and I was always very clear and upfront with people. I'm not a printer. I'm not a, I'm not a t-shirt printer. Um, I don't have a metal factory in my backyard or a warehouse where I'm, you know, creating the stuff. Um, I'm leveraging relationships for all of this and just putting it together. So it's a single point of contact across the board, making it easy, an easy transition from doing all the different fundraising activities a nonprofit normally does to and a live, you know, absolute engagement opportunity of, that is a virtual race.
0: That's great. So you've worked with quite a number of virtual races. How many virtual races did you work with um, over the past year?
1: Um, you know, I, I added it up at the end of the year and I kind of stopped keeping count. Uh, by, by December 20, from November, from, I, I launched the service in April 2020. And then as of dec- the end of December 2020, I was at about 96 events. Wow. Um, since then, since then, I've worked with about 15 to 20 more um, that are, that so are going strong. Definitely over 100. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm easily over 100 now, um, you know, in, in, in the year that, you know, it's just been just over a year. Uh, that
0: that's, that's actually specific, really so. impressive. I did not realize it was that. Many. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was a lot, but I did not realize yeah, it was that many.
1: Yeah, and, and, and not all of them were setting up registration. Not all yeah. of them were setting, were ordering race items. Not all of them were shipping and fulfillment. Some people would simply call me and say, Hey, how do I, you know, how, how, how can I ship this many things? And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very upfront and honest with you. I'll tell them what the processes I use if they want to know, you know, if they want to try and do it themselves, you know, but then I, you know, offer that I can do it for them without them having to go through the steps as well. Um, You know, so there's some, you know, it's, it's not it's not always about how much money can I make. It's about what can I do to make other events successful, and that's really my goal and what I wanted to do. This I can earn a decent living doing it. Great, you know. But um, at the end of the day, my goal is I, I, lo- I love the industry, and it it was the the absolute hardest thing that I ever had to do was write an email to participants to 1,200 kids registered for the kids triathlon and tell them the race isn't happening this year. You know. That was hard, that hurt.
0: Yeah. So w- with all this experience, what is the common thread that seems to be among the, the successful virtual races that you're working with?
1: So, so run the, the tools up has make it super easy to make a super professional looking site, make it really, really high end. You can color brand it, you can br- have your own images with the co- cover pages, you can really make it your own site. Um, What I've been finding over the past year is that matters sometimes, somewhat. It matters mostly to the nonprofit, more so than the participants. What really matters to the participants is that you're providing a value and a service and that you are engaging them. The the engagement is the key factor. How are you creating an interactive race experience? Um, or a challenge experience, or, you know, an experience in general, because it doesn't have to be races. I've worked with a lot of different nonprofits that didn't want to do a 5k, didn't want to do a running event challenge. You know, we were doing all kinds of stuff. We had one that was doing an acts of kindness challenge, people would submit an act of kindness they did each day. And that was all done on the run sign up platform. But it was just a, it was a unique opportunity, a unique way to use the platform and the tools available to engage. Um, So I think what it really comes down to is, Keeping it as simple as possible while being as creative as possible in the way you are, um, you're, you're, you're processing this, the way you're the way the way you're putting it out there to people, because you don't want to have to explain, you don't have to, you don't want to have to write, you know, you don't want to have to read, you know, a manual, you know, to determine how to what do I need to do for this virtual. Race. It needs to be very simple, straightforward, and open. Um, the one with acts of kindness was simply do an act of kindness each day. Log on put it in and log in and uh, submit it and do it each day for seven days.
0: Yeah. So let's it. drill into that acts of kindness. Cause we've actually internally talked about that last mm-hmm. year as, you know, potentially an idea for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, did that drive any donations? Was it, it was it a paid challenge or was it free?
1: It was a paid challenge. Um, and it was uh, all the proceeds were going to the nonprofit. Um, then they purchased, uh, they, they had their own vendor for shirts, but they needed help with, so they had, so they they um, ordered the shirts from their vendor, had them shipped to me, and then I did the individual fulfillment shipping out um, to each participant. They, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but I believe they ended up with about 140 participants, but still raised over fifteen thousand dollars for that event.
0: Yeah, so they must have had a fairly decent um, – did they do fundraising as well? They, must have they been-
1: did. Uh, they didn't do fundraising. They did donations. I'm talking to them now about renewing this year. Uh, yeah. They're wanting to expand it and make it bigger this year because it was so so successful. Um, and they're wanting to be able to push it out more. And that's what I've noticed with a lot of these numbers. The events aren't huge. We're not talking yeah. – 5,000 person, you know, even 1,000 person events for the most part. Most are around the 100 to 250 person range because they're just dipping their toes in. they're testing the water. I believe there's a huge opportunity here for these events especially going into their second year that they can really expand and then push that envelope and really, really do some some good.
0: And I mean, I'm not sure how this nonprofit would feel about it, but to me, $15,000 Um, for a kindness challenge uh, that likely they had to, didn't have any money they had to put up front. You know, it was a, a, a pure opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems pretty good to me for most of the nonprofits that we serve. Um, if we can come up with some way to generate revenue without any upfront um, commitment, that's an incredible opportunity, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's actually, whenever I was developing this whole... Set of Because this was a new thing. I had no idea what I was going to do. I, obviously, I spent about, you know, two to three weeks sitting around moping and wallowing. Yeah. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know. This
0: sucks. I remember I talked to
1: you. Know, you. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it, it was bad. It, you know, I had no idea what was going to happen. You know, virtual races. I, you know, yes, I had put some on. I, but I'm not really in the business of putting on races so much anymore. So I didn't want to get in. I didn't want to get back into that with virtual races so much. Um, so that's, when I put this together, it was for the people, specifically the smaller organizations. Um, it can be expanded obviously to larger, but there is nothing, there's, like you said, there's no upfront, there's nothing to, it's a it's a no lose scenario upfront. You know, to put your time
0: in, but yeah, it's just a little time bit of something anyways.
1: And, and it's not even that much time even necessarily, you know, it's a, it's a few hours, you know, and you can have something set up, ready to go. Push it out to, you know, your email list and your social media pages. See what happens. Maybe you get some traction. Then maybe you get a little bit of traction. Okay, let's put a little bit of money into it. Okay, let's see if I get some partners or some sponsors so we can do some cross promotion, things like that. Uh, you know, some of that free uh, free uh, marketing that you can get out of it. Um, you know, so it's just, it's starting small, getting in, checking it out, and building from there. Um, it's, not, it's not difficult. Like I said, a couple of hours is, I think, what this... Uh, uh, this particular nonprofit spent developing their challenge and putting together the page and everything after we talked and $15,000 was the, it was their single largest event they've ever had. You know, they're not a big, they have, they have, uh, I think four or five people on the, on the committee for that nonprofit and that's it. So,
0: so after all this and over a hundred virtual races, um, well under your belt, um, is there anything you wouldn't uh-huh. recommend doing
1: I stay away from simple 5Ks now. Honestly, um, the okay. tools are the tools are available. There's unless you have a a very uh, unique uh, story or way that you're going to tell this, um, you know, th- that you're going to sell this event. Um, stay away from the simple 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. So there's so many different tools available to get a little more creative with it create a hundred mile challenge, create a, you know, walk every day challenge, you know, whatever, you know, I think, uh, Brian, your activity for good challenge um, gave, gave me a lot of ideas. And I was able to use some of that information with you putting that together, uh, just to kind of, you know, explain to these nonprofits, it's not always just a virtual race. It can be a virtual event.
0: Yeah, and, and the other, we've, we've seen a lot of creativity um, and not everything is gonna work out, um but you know we work with the Pat Tillman Foundation um and they do a 4.2 mile run mm-hmm. um so they've got this um his his football number was 42 so they've got this number to play with and right. they can use that in a lot of different ways um so if there's numbers that are important to nonprofits they can use those numbers um and the cool thing too is that you're not limited by you know uh, a 5k 10k type thing where it's kind of a limiting distance to play with the numbers you know, if it's a challenge and, and you're and your number is, is 72, because maybe that's when you're founded or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use that number 72. Because,
1: yeah, it's a 50th anniversary, you know, yeah. it's, I, I had one nonprofit, it was their 50th anniversary, they did a five point, they, they had several challenges, one was 5.0. Uh, so five miles, one was a uh, f- 550.0. Uh, so, you know, 50 miles, um, and one was 500, you know, um, and it was all, they were all based around the number five, you know, 50. Um, so it was, they, they built off that and it was, you know, they had different things. There was one, that they, I think they also had the 50 ounces of water a day challenge with that one as well. Uh, you know, so it can be, you know, there's, there's, there's so many different ways to, to uh, put these things together and so many different things. Um, you know, even the, uh, like the activity, like the activity type challenges, it doesn't have to be mileage. It doesn't have to be time. It can be distant, you know, it can be, uh, uh, you know, steps, it can be, you know, there's, there's other, other tallies, other things you can do to add up to, to create this uh, uh, competition, you know.
0: Um, Yes, your, your main recommendation is um, do not work inside of some preconceived box. Right.
1: Don't silo yourself to what is a standard event that you would go do on a Saturday afternoon, because this is not a Saturday or a Saturday morning. This is not a Saturday morning event. This can be, this can be a year long challenge, uh, you know, with many challenges broken up into it and different giveaways and things like that. Uh, You turn it, if you want to try a little smaller, try a one month challenge, you know, with a weekly mini challenge inside of it. Um, You know, there's all kinds of different ways you can do. And it's, When we first started, when all of this first started uh, in in March and and you guys uh, run signup launched the virtual uh, uh, results platform and then you added the challenge platform, it was very much, there were a ton of virtual 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, half marathons, because people were still in the mindset of that's what runners wanted. Well, now we're getting beyond simple events and more looking for a story, looking for uh, a way for them to feel part of a community without being, you know, with with maintaining the social distance, with without being at a cramped, started start, you know, start line on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Um, it's just, you know, creating an environment and a community around whatever kind of challenge or event you're putting on.
0: So I think that's a those are good insights. Um, so I'm I'm guessing the majority of these events were nonprofits. Is that is that right that you've been working with for the virtual races?
1: Yeah, I'd probably say good eighty to ninety percent of them were okay. non nonprofits.
0: That's what I if would think more. Yeah. So did you see anything that anyone did that was seemed to reliably or maybe uniquely increase uh, donations and fundraising?
1: Um, you know, in it. What it all really came down to was the the effort put into by the by the organizers, on the uh, how how much they wanted to push it out to their uh, their followers, their you know the, the people they wanted to participate in the event. Um, there was no secret sauce behind any of them, I don't think. Um, what it really came down to was just to, you know just like with it with a this is where races do have some commonality with the virtual events. It takes hustle. You know, it takes, you know, you gotta, you gotta be out there. You gotta put it out there, whether it's on your, fa- your own personal Facebook page, whether creating a referral program and putting that out there and marketing that, um, utilize it, util- email list, super important. Utilizing email lists, getting co getting co-marketers, you know, get a sponsor that is, that'll send that'll blast out your virtual event. I mean, if you can land a huge, um, uh, sponsor, you know, uh, I don't even, you know, a shoe company or whatever you can, you know, if you can leverage some sort of co-marketing to go in, go in with them, it'd be huge. You know Um, I think that's really an under uh, a part that's not really being utilized is that co-marketing side of things um, where brands definitely want to be involved with something um, especially now, but they don't want to give necessarily cash. They they don't want to give money. Uh, So you could use that co-marketing as the kind of the driver to get them in the door. And it also helps with your nonprofit because that's more registrations, more eyes on your event. You know, and as an event, an event production, that's really what it's all about is getting more eyes on your event.
0: So, did you have anybody that utilized uh, Facebook fundraising?
1: Not uh, you know, not that I know of. Um, they may have set it up on the uh, on the back end because uh, what I did. So the way I the way I handled this, whenever if I was helping them with their registration and results. Is I would actually help get them set up, and then I'd set up an hour to an hour and a half phone call. And actually, walk them through the platform. We go through, and depending on what their goal was, I'd choose different modules that we would focus on during that time frame. Um, and but always was the donations and Facebook advertising, um, you know, or the Facebook donations um, uh, integration and the fundraising integration. And I'd kind of talk them through what, how that will work, how that would work with their event. And what they could do if they, if they chose to, to kind of push it to the next level. Uh, They, some, some, you know, like I said, some were more successful than others. They, none of them, none of them lost anything on it. It was just a, you know, sometimes that just didn't, didn't click or didn't get through, but um, I, I'm not exactly sure. I didn't, I didn't get any questions about the Facebook fundraising. So, okay. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure on that.
0: So here's kind of the um, the burning question for a lot of people. Is, are you still seeing success with virtual races and challenges?
1: Yes. Um, virtual races are still, I think, in my opinion, virtual races were around well before the pandemic. They really uh, hit, hit their stride during the pandemic because there was nothing else going on. Um, I'm of the mindset that virtual races and challenges are here to stay. Uh, They're going to be a thing in the future, obviously live events with live events coming back, they're going to have their own place. Uh, But I think, especially if you can get creative with the virtual and challenge uh, virtual events and challenges, uh, it can really be a annual, you know, an annual virtual gathering of people to, you know, for, to celebrate, you know, or to uh, engage in participation, you know, with the, with the individual nonprofits. Um, It's just a, With all the tools that that have been developed across the board, both that run signup and, you know, everywhere else, all the things, all the things people have learned, there's no reason, there's almost no reason not to give it a shot. Um, It's, it's so, like I said, a couple of hours time and you could raise $100, $1,000, $100,000, $200,000. You know, uh, there's this—the opportunity is just so. And then when you're when you're engaging an audience that's nationwide or worldwide, even if you want to push it that far, it's—I it, mean, it's it's hard to get a thousand people to register for a 5K that's going to happen to at this time, on this date, at this place. Whenever I can say, do this whenever you want. You have you have the whole month, and you can be anywhere you want. Maybe I'm on vacation, you know, in, in Iceland. You know, maybe I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'm putting on my, putting on the Iceland extreme triathlon. Uh, maybe I'm, you know, at, at grandma's house this weekend. You know, there's still an opportunity to participate. There's not, there's so much flexibility and so many opportunities out there with this, uh, with this structure, with this, with this, with this, with this uh, way of thinking about events and things like that. So yes, they are here to stay. Um, I still have, uh, it, obviously it's slowed down quite a bit. Sure. Um, with uh, with live events coming back, uh, but I don't think it should. I think it should keep going. I think they should still keep building and keep trying new things. Um, but yeah, the races that i that I am still working with today are are seeing success and they're still raising money. you know it's it's not a you know if, if you don't give it a shot, you can't raise anything from it. so
0: and, and kind of summarizing your belief is that some of these events that push the envelope for creativity in 2020, um, found something that worked. It's a solid fundraiser and this could become another one of their key or annual fundraisers in their portfolio.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and, and you could even step outside the mold of annual. Why not quarterly?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know? there, there isn't necessarily a limit and you could do things seasonally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also can do, you know, if you want to do local activation, local activation is a lot easier. So if you want to partner with a local retailer of some sort, you know, people can come pick up goodies there, which helps some as well, um, in terms of sponsorships and things like that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's less things you have to ship out and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not just cost save, you know, cost savings, but you can also, you know, get a, a sponsor in a packet pickup sponsor, you know, for a local, local area. Um, I'm working with a nonprofit now that's got, um, chapters in different cities so they have different uh i think there's one in new york one in la one in houston uh one in uh, chicago one in kansas city um they're looking at doing a nationwide virtual event but they're at each of their individual uh chapters they're going to be doing something live at their chapter but Mm -hmm. the whole organization is doing a nationwide virtual event
0: all right so i'm getting to, to the end and so I like to call it the teardown because if you're working on an event, there's a teardown.
1: Yes.
0: Um, so best piece of advice you've received in regards to events.
1: Oh, best piece of advice I have received for events. Um, it is I, when I put on a race, I'm not putting it on for myself. I'm putting it on for my participants. So it's not always about what I want or what I think is the thing that is best. Uh, you have to think about the participants, um, you know, uh, the, the specific example of this would be a finisher medal. Maybe the finisher medal is not that important to me, right? For me, the biggest thing is always the race bib. I think the race, because it goes with you on the journey, um, you know, of the, whatever event you're doing. Um, but I don't put on races for me, I put on races for other people and other people love finisher medals. So it's, a, you know, something that, I, something that I offer, even though I, would, I don't necessarily want one for every single race I participate in personally.
0: So the funniest thing you've seen in an event?
1: Oh, I don't know, man. There's been some, there's been some good ones. Um, just this last one, there's a, it was a uh, St. Patrick's Day run. There was a guy running around and he, he was actually running the event, but he was in a full, like, it, it was almost a mascot, a, a university mascot costume, but it was a, a leprechaun. Um, and he was a smaller guy too, so his proportions kind of matched. It was funny, um, but it was a huge. The Costa, the head on it was huge. Um, oh man, with the New Year's race, the, the co- I guess the costumes over over the course of all the races, the costumes have been pretty insane. Because even our even even the race we hosted at Minute Maid Park was the, uh, usually the weekend before opening day. So people in all their different Astros gear. We have a guy uh, here in Houston that wears uh, He's got a. Three-piece suit that he had made out of all Astros-themed material. Um, he participated in the event, you know. So he he raced it in the suit um, with his with his Astros top hat, you know, material top hat. Um, you know, so it's. I think the costumes are always they always get me, you know. And then of course the kids race. I some watching some of the kids, you know, watching a, uh, a six-year-old try and navigate a a triathlon. Uh, you know, first time triathlete trying to navigate a a triathlon with somebody that's done 40 or 50, that's super competitive. That's always kind of fun to watch, you know, um, you know, some, some parents that's, you know, they're not always fun to watch, but sometimes they can, uh, they get a little,
0: it could be fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, just watching some of the parents, you know, um, so there's a lot of different, I've been doing this for, I'm, I'm coming up on a decade now. Um, you know, in various capacities as a full-time race director for just over uh, seven years. Yeah, just around around seven years now. Um, so it's been, it's just too many, there's just too many things. It's the costumes, the people, it, it, I, I just love doing it, you know, everything about it. So,
0: so this question is um, your favorite event you've participated in?
1: Favorite event I've participated in. So...
0: You got to pick one.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at my, I got my race bibs up on the wall. I'm looking at them right now. You know, I, I'm going to have to go with Tough Mudder. Um, just, okay. the, you know, the, 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 it's a long course. Re- no, I'm sorry. Not Tough Mudder. The Texas Independence Relay. That's what I was thinking of. Um, the uh, Texas Independence Relay is a long course relay. It's about 200 miles. Um, and it follows the Texas Independence Trail from Gonzales to the San Jacinto Monument, or it used to. Uh, And you'd get a team of like 12 people and you'd be running for three days straight, you know, through the night and everything. It was always a good time, Um, you know, so I think that's that's that was always the most fun of it. That was that was an event. That wasn't a race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was an experience. Yeah. So um, I want to the final wrap up is to show off a couple of your medals. I'm sorry, not your medals, your awards um, that you make. Um, I, I call it a hobby job. Yeah, Uh, it's it's fun for you, um, and then some people buy it from you, which justifies (laughs) continual investment.
1: Yeah, uh, every 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 person every award that I sell goes to buy more equipment to make more awards.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you just keep telling your wife the business is exploding.
1: (laughs) Business is exploding, and so is the shop with all the different equipment that's in it.
0: (laughs) So you want to show us a couple examples to wrap up.
1: Yeah, so this is actually a new one that I'm working on, the um, new style uh, for a splash and dash. Um, it's a, it's all I'm leaving it natural wood. It's a, I'm doing it's a 3D, you know, two two yeah. layer design. Um, I've done a couple other ones like similar to this that had like four or five layers. Um, I just really like the simplicity of the two layer design, um, and it you know stand up on your desk. You can hang it on the wall. You know, uh, you know if you want to go same similar style, but they wanted it painted. Yeah, so it's got the, you know, each, each of the pieces, different pieces and different layers in there, um, you know, going, going big and going metal displays, you know, you can go. That's nice. Something
0: like this. I like that, you know,
1: and the little, little hooks to hang. All yeah. The I see how on. you so,
0: actually put the metals in.
1: Yeah. So then the holes to mount it on the wall or actually I've got mine, I've got one with all the metals on it on the wall. Um, command strips were great to mount these on the wall and they hold, you know, hold plenty of weight with the, with the metals and everything. Um, so yeah, these are, these are some of the fun things I've been, I mess around with. You know?
0: Yeah. The coolest thing is that you're making this. I mean, and, and I know there's, you're, you're designing them and, and running it through a lathe and stuff like that, but it, yeah. it's, it, it is cool. Well,
1: that's, that's kind of what I like about these, uh, the, the new, the new ones that I started working on, because there's actually some assembly involved. So it's putting things together. I mean, I I enjoy woodworking. So, I mean, I've got a couple of projects, you know, some furniture projects and things like that I'm working for some other people. but the, the, the building process is, is, you know, the design, obviously the design, especially with things like this, uh, coming up with the design and, and laying them out in such a way that you can, you know, make you know put things on top of things and make it into whole things. Just, it's fun, you know, I just, I like it. It's, uh, it's a little cathartic, you know, a little soothing to just sit out in the shop and be gluing things together and taping them and holding, you know, and clamping them down and, or doing the spray, you know, the uh, airbrushing or uh, painting and things like that. So.
0: Well, this has been great, Tony. I actually learned more than uh, even I thought I would, and I knew half the story to start with. So, uh, <laughs> I really appreciate your time. I hope others get uh, something out of this as well, and look forward to uh, starting on this journey. of uh, My goal is to get through ten episodes and see if there's anyone that watches.
1: Nice, yeah. I think uh, ten 10's a good good round number to yeah. give it a shot. So, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity, and you know, my, you know, I'll do continue doing what we do but you guys keep putting out great technology and I'll keep putting out uh, uh, helping people put on great events so
0: awesome thank you Tony
1: awesome thanks Brian